Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to That Gabby Roslin Podcast, part of the Acast Creator Network. My guest on this episode is Joe Lysett. He's a comedian, presenter and campaigner. We talk in such depth about his beliefs and his life. He talks about how important it is to try and make a difference in the world, which he does with great aplomb on his Channel 4 show, Joe Lysett's Got Your Back. We chat about his Who Do You Think You Are on BBC One and how emotional he felt at the end of filming. He thinks he's more famous than he'd like to be and gives a real insight into his world. He wants to do what he can to make this planet a better place and he cares passionately about it. He also believes that being silly is a positive thing, which I wholeheartedly agree with. I hope you enjoy. Please can I ask you a favour? Would you mind following and subscribing, please? By clicking the follow or subscribe button. This is completely and utterly free, by the way. And you can also rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which is the purple app on your iPhone or iPad. Simply scroll down to the bottom of all of the episodes. I know there have been quite a few now. And you'll see the stars where you can tap and rate and also please write a review. Thank you so much. I want to know if you have your big box of things near you. I don't, actually, I'm afraid. I'm in my studio. I have a studio that I come to to make art and write jokes. And um, I'm in that currently. What's your studio like? Oh, gosh, how to describe it. It's, it's full of art. There's lots of colour here. I basically, a friend of mine... Um, helped me she's a um what do you call it a, a in, interior designer and she uh i sort of gave her the kind of brief that i wanted it to be like a sweet shop for a creative <gasps> and um so if i want to do a painting there's a canvas and all different types of paints ready to go uh if i want to do some drawing there's different types of, sort of pencil and uh, whatever uh, you can sculpt that i've got my computer here so i can do whatever you can do on a computer editing or got a camera to make little films so yeah it's a very happy place for me I really like it oh that sounds really special is that where you did the clay face the the that you got into the royal uh, academy? Yeah. <laughs> yes it's I, I it's in my old studio but it was just a, across the way I am um, I scaled up slightly because um because I'm on the telly now basically well and so you should be on on everything I, do you know what when when so I've watched you 
I've been watching you on television for, was it 12 years or 13 years, whatever you've been doing it. And I remember seeing you, you were on so many shows from eight hours to 10 cats, all sorts of things that you were on. Would I lie to you? All of these things. And you know, when you watch somebody and it sounds slightly pervy, but I kept watching and thinking, oh, I want to see more of him. Where, oh. where is he going to go? What's he going to do? And I think you really surprised everybody with where you went and what you did and what you're doing. And I think that's, that is how it should be. Well, uh, that's very lovely of you to say. I just sort of follow the path of least resistance, really. And I was talking to a friend about this last night. Often the path of least resistance for me is to make things. Uh, but I didn't choose that about myself. But I know that if I lie in bed all day and don't make something, it make I feel sad. And I, if I make something, with, literally it could just be a nice dinner. It doesn't have to be anything particularly remarkable. But um, uh, then I feel happy and I, you know, I go to sleep sort of jovial and like I've used the day. And um, and I also love being daft and writing silly things and talking about my arsehole. So, you know, these th- these. These things come together to create the ridiculous person who speaks to you today. Yeah, but would you call yourself, do you really call yourself ridiculous? I don't think you're ridiculous. Yeah, I think everything's sort of ridiculous, isn't it? I, I, try, I, try, I try not to take anything too seriously, including my, yes. myself. That's what I mean by ridiculous, like just sort of um, absurd and silly, really. Yeah, I think I'm a silly person. Yes, I like silly. That's what I th- yeah. When anybody ever says, what do you think of you? I go, I'm just silly. Yeah, well, silly, and they go, "Oh no, that's negative." But it's not negative; it's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah. No, I think silly is a really positive thing. I, I was, I feel very, um, <laughs> very emotional about talking to you because I just finished rewatching your "Who Do You Think You Are." Oh yeah. Be- for for all my research, obviously, I was going through all sorts of things, but I thought I wanted to watch it in full again because I saw it when it first went out, and I wanted to watch it again. Firstly, how beautiful is your mum? Just that's just an aside. What a beautiful woman! <laughs> yeah, oh, I love Helen. Likes it. What a great woman. She's wonderful. But also, when we got to the end of it, as a viewer, and I mean we as viewers, I, I was heartbroken for, mm. for Robert, your great many great grandfather, of what he went through. But I can't imagine how that left you feeling. If for me as the audience, I feel very emotional about it so how on earth has that left you feeling well what was weird about it is I was going through that process learning as I go and they're very good at making that show you know you 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 really don't know anything and then at the end of the day they'll say well it looks like you're off to Southampton or whatever it is and so I was sort of following his journey almost in real time it felt like and forgot that he dies at the end and has been dead for many years. And I don't know, in my I, I, subconscious, I thought maybe I'm going to meet this guy or, yes. you know. I, I, so I was just then like, oh, God, yeah. Then it, and then it ends. And so I was, I, I was, I was very emotional at the end because I, yeah, I really liked him and I was conflicted by him. And I, uh, I also felt like I probably knew more about him than his wife and kids did almost certainly more than my nan did and her parents, um, because uh, I imagine, you know, for those who haven't watched it, he ended up in a mental asylum because he stabbed a bloke while he was in the Navy. 
and he got really into booze and just had a bit of a particularly the first half of his life was a real mess and really hard going and um did some awful things in china and was in part of a massacre of chinese villagers really like full-on life and i bet a lot of that he didn't tell his wife or kids probably a lot of it was not something he was massively proud of and and i know all that just because i got a bit famous and they made a tv show about me and these experts found all these documents that's like such a strange thing but a lovely program to be part of the team were wonderful i felt very honored and yeah privileged to be part of it i get the feeling that you don't take any of this for granted anything that's happened to you over the past 12 years for granted at all no i don't actually and i've I've always thought that when i sort of see people one of my real pet hates is when people are sort of um, celebs are like snappy or ungrateful or un- unkind to the teams that they're working with. Because really, ultimately, yes, there's talent involved in what people do and on-screen people. And and sometimes I totally appreciate it's hard to articulate what you need to do your best work because sometimes it's this sort of indescribable thing where you just need the comfort of something or whatever I totally get all of that it's really no um, uh, excuse for being rude or um, trying to deliver that information in a a way that's anything but um, kind and so when I see celebs sort of like expecting things I think no you shouldn't expect any of that you shouldn't you don't you don't deserve any of that really nobody deserves anything we we're all it's all just kind of a bit of luck and spark and that's it really and I could very easily have been doing something else and be in a much worse situation I could be in a a country that treats me appallingly there's all sorts of things that could have gone wrong and just by chance I was born into a quite comfortable life thus far and um no I, I think I'm very aware that all of that could change at any moment. And so, as I say, find find the sort of the fact that I'm hanging out in with celebs occasionally and doing telly and speaking to you and all of that inherently ridiculous. But but also I love the fact that you don't I'm going to you didn't say these two words, but for me, I don't I hate greed and I hate this grabbiness. And for um, Joe Lysett's got your back. I just get that from you that that's what you don't like either that yeah and that's so it's the perfect show for you yeah well I mean it sort of was built around my stand-up I suppose but yeah that show I'm really proud that's the show that's got my name on it and that 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 it gets stuff done in, in that way and we've had some brilliant victories over the last three series and um I mean, so much of the hard work that goes into it is not mine and and the credit should absolutely go to the team that work on it because they are the experts and they're the ones that know what they're doing. And I swoop on in and take the glory quite happily. (laughs) And the cash. I'll take the cash and the glory. See ya. Yeah, there I was saying you're not grabby. Hey, let's wipe that, edit that out. Um, But but for, for that show, I mean, I know it was, it's, built around you and, and your passion were you always like that though were you always wanting to to look after the the underdog or or make sure that people were treated well and fairly were you like that as a growing up um yeah I but I wouldn't I don't think it comes I think 
I think it comes from a more cynical place than wanting to help the underdog. It's actually more wanting to F off the overdog, upper dog, big dog. <laughs> um, like I, I've always been, um, a word I like to use, recalcitrant. Um, Good word. You know, I've always been suspicious of authority. Anyone telling me that I should do this, things are like this because they should be. I'm always a bit like, who are you? What, what, who's given you the authority for this? And so um, big companies often behave very badly. And we're all sort of meant to, you know, bow down to them because they often pay our wages. And I just resent that really and just think, nah, piss off. But where do you get these big balls from? Because, you you know, as a, as a growing up, to feel like that, that I mean, it must come from your parents. They must have... They must come from somewhere because to have the balls to go and do what you've done and, you know, we'll talk about Hugo Boss and we'll talk about the greenwashing and the pla- changing everybody with the plastic and the ha- hallelujah for that. I cheered with the white plastic what you did. <laughs> but all of those things, it must come from somewhere. You don't, did you grow, were you like that when you were a child? No, no, I don't think so. But I definitely liked to undermine adults or people uh in <laughs> seemingly in positions of power and and by that i mean like friends of mine in uh or, or people in friendship groups of mine that because they were particularly good looking or muscular or whatever kind of swaggered around like they owned the gaff and i liked using comedy to undercut them and and remind the, themselves and the people around them that we're all vulnerable to something and that, and that's not a uh, a good use often of um, comedy you know I was trying all sorts of things when I started out being funny and, and often used it in an unkind way um, and, and in a very blunt way because I didn't know what I was doing with my with with that with that skill I suppose but I liked it and there's something very it's addictive feeling righteous I suppose and uh, and feeling like you're in the right and that you're taking on a baddie and so um it's a it's a it's an addiction really more than um necessarily wanting to do the right thing i think i i, I dispute anyone knowing what the right thing is at any point as i said i just sort of always think i'm very suspicious of anyone in politics for example uh, when you know when people sort of deify politicians and say oh they're the ones to fix everything i just think historically no one person has ever done everything right and it's all just a sort of people are mixed, aren't they? And actually, the ones that people say are brilliant and will fix everything uh, generally end up being the fascists and the dictators. So, <laughs> yes, sadly, sadly. So I, I kind of, um, I don't know. I always just think nobody knows, do they? Nobody knows what's right and wrong. Uh, but when you feel like you are right and you manage to deliver that in a fun way. It's a real buzz. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I can tell. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The whole Hugo Boss thing, I mean, I... It was brilliant. I, I think when it first happened and I read about it, because, of course, the, the press went mad with this. Um, when I first read about it, I, I sort of couldn't get my head around it. And then I read further into it and read all about it. And I just, oh, to ha- again, I'm going back to your balls in the nicest possible way. Your, your large set of balls. Wow. It's the sort of thing that people dream of being able to do but don't necessarily do themselves. I mean, did you, well, how did, I mean, the whole, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. Thanks. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's, it didn't take that much balls. It took a bit of time and administration, but um, yeah, I mean, I felt, and I still do, that Hugo Boss behaved badly and that they uh, were being bullish and just not, you know, it wasn't even sort of um, sensible what they were doing. It was sort of a waste of their resources, I felt. Uh, taking on this little brewery, Boss Brewing in Swansea, that produce delicious beers. And they disputed the use of the word boss in their in their uh, business. Um, and, and we're sending them all sorts of legal letters, which obviously for a small business, you kind of go, oh, God. And... I just think at every stage, the lawyer that sent that, the person at Hugo Boss that approved it, every person there should be really embarrassed with themselves. What a waste of a life to be a lawyer sending <laughs> legal letters to a small brewery for a massive multi-billion corporation, uh, dollar corporation. I just think when you get to the pearly gates, I'm not religious, I'm just playing this out in my head. Yeah, no, I get, I completely hear you. Um, God looks down on you and says, what did you do with your life? And you go, oh, I just sent these legal letters for Hugo Boss. You must just think, oh, you fucking idiot. Yes. <laughs> I, gave, I, gave you all, I gave you this amazing body and brain and mind and you did that. Fuck off. It's so true, though. Yeah. It's so true. And But is that why, okay, I'm, that is really interesting because, the, the as I said, I applauded the, the white plastic because it can't be recycled and, you actually have made a difference to the planet. That is silly. That's really silly to me. I find that really, I can't actually wait till I see one of those bottles in a supermarket and think, well, I did that. Um, yes, the, the, the Yop uh, yogurt drink. St- uh, currently, as far as I'm aware, I'm, I might be wrong. Allegedly, allegedly is in a white PET plastic bottle and white PET is recyclable, but it's, 
are not re- we don't do it here in the UK, and yeah. it's um, a lot harder to recycle than clear PET plastic. And there's no reason for it not to be in a clear um, plastic bottle other than aesthetics. I thought, oh, maybe it needs to be in a white bottle to preserve the milk content or whatever, but that's uh, not the case and has been disproven by the fact that Yazoo and a lot of the others are in clear plastic bottles. And, um, and yeah, it just seemed like that, you know, really is just them not catching up with the times quick enough. And I feel like I just, um, you know, pushed them along a little bit by... I mean, it's such an elaborate stunt, but yeah, by basically uh, pretending that I was going on to Steph McGovern's brilliant show uh, to be righteous and say how I never use white plastic and I won't have it in my house. Then later on, a picture of me pops up and there's a yacht bottle in the background. She highlights this and I get very cross and storm off the show in order to create a press buzz and get all the papers talking about me having a hissy fit so that I could then, once they were once they'd taken the bait, do the old switcheroo and reveal that me and Steph were in on it together and it was to raise awareness that Yop is in this uh, white PET plastic bottle. And uh, yes, as a result of that, Yop agreed to change to clear PET plastic by, I think, the start of next year. I can't remember the exact dates, but uh, imminently. Which I think it's is brilliant. Insane. It's insane. Like, just because uh, it's been a little while since I did it all. And like, saying it out loud, it's like, oh my God, what have I done? You've made a difference. You've made I've a made difference. A t- I've made a little difference, yeah. And that's it. It's not a huge difference. It's not going to fix climate change by any means, but it's a uh, it's a step in the right direction. And done. The, th- the thing that I always want to sort of explain to people, and lots of people do this all the time anyway, is that there are better often better ways than the obvious route in fixing and solving problems um a a great example i um often use is there's a guy i don't know who he is or where he is but it's somewhere in the uk who had an issue with potholes in his local area and they were getting worse and worse and he was complaining to the council about the council weren't doing anything and he was going through the official channels and just essentially being ignored and so he started in the middle of the night going up to the potholes and graffitiing a cock and balls on them and that meant that it was then an issue of you know taste and decency and the public and children could see that whatever and so they very quickly swooped in and had to do something about them cover them over and you know it's it's not, I imagine, the route that a lot of people would have taken, but it was very effective and got the thing done. And often there are things that you can do like that if you have a problem in your life. And it might not be with a council or a company or anything. It could just be a creative problem you have or a problem you have with your partner or how to raise your kids, whatever. And there might just be some clever little thing you haven't thought of that will get, get you, you your way, essentially. It's, uh, but it is. But I have to say that um, uh, the reason I'm talking about the white plastic is there's a, a vitamins, uh, an organic vitamin that I get, and I take them every morning. And they used to come in white plastic, and it says recyclable, post-consumer waste, all of that, and is recyclable. Then watching all of the stuff, I learnt more about it. This company, nothing to do with me, but all to do with you. I thought I'm not going to order this anymore. But then uh, my next. Uh, delivery arrived from them. So I, when it came, I thought, I'm, I can't, I, this is wrong. I shouldn't order it. It's no longer in white plastic. Great. It is now in a plastic that's made from wood pulp. And I think that's due to you. So thank you. I mean, I'm not going to take the credit officially, 
because I'm sure it's to do with uh, people within that company that had, you know, felt that they should do better, and um, and they have. And this is the thing as well that I actually don't know if the wood the wood pulp's better because you could argue they've got to chop a tree down and the tree's taking seeds. You know, it's like one of those. Or you just you have I have no idea. No, no, no. This is, no. This is uh, and also there's another there's a moisturizer that I get from amazing woman, and I can tell you exactly the wood pulp is. It's post waste from a from where they do um, they make things out of sustainable wood and it's all FSC. So this is the wood, the sawdust that is left on the floor that otherwise would be thrown away. God, people are clever, aren't they? That's it. Like, aren't they? I do just feel like climate change. This is uh, how I have to sort of feel about it: is that there'll be either someone, well, either we're completely buggered, which is the most likely of the scenarios that the scientists are giving us or some like real weird twist will happen where uh, a new scientific development will come through or something will just blindside us and we're like oh that's the solution to this problem or at least it will take a big chunk of the edge off it uh or there'll just be a massive disaster that will overshadow it like one of the volcanoes goes off that, you know, cakes us in dust or whatever, and then we have to deal with that instead. And so I'm always sort of like thinking sort of what what actually is going to happen because there's so many variables in the world, hasn't there? You know, like anything could happen. And so part obviously I'm delighted that I got Yop to change their plastic bottle, but then occasionally I do just sort of think, Oh, is it, it's all a nonsense, you know. Um, we should just like have a laugh now while we can. Yeah, we need to absolutely, and that's what you. But that's also what you deliver. So it's very interesting that um, when I said to people that I was uh, going to be recording with you for the podcast, they said, "Oh, he's not a comedian anymore." I said, "Yes, he is. Yes, he is." And they're all obsessed with with uh, got your back. But to me, you're a comedian who's also a presenter you're a presenter who is also a comedian you're and you're going back out on tour and you're going to be doing that but but it it has the comedian the 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 stand-up comedian not you as a funny person that's a different thing but the stand-up going and doing the stand-up and on tour is that getting further and further away from what you're about now no so I actually Good. cannot I cannot wait to get on tour now I'm previewing this show at the minute the new show and uh, it's it's sort of weirdly it's not similar to Got Your Back because Got Your Back is a very well one it's very legally checked over and my stand up I don't you know I, I'm I might consult a legal friend here and there to sort of ask if I'm you know wandering into jail time um, but generally <laughs> it's it's just me and my thoughts and what I um, you know want to talk about but I've never written anything like it because it's a sort of large scale stunt that spread over three years that involved um, lots of elements and lots of um, things that I hold dear. And uh, I'm really excited. It's interesting that you said there about um, people saying, oh, he's not a comedian anymore. Um, Because I think when you stop doing stand-up, and I never did stop doing stand-up apart from in the pandemic. I kept doing gigs, but I didn't tour and I wasn't making a new um, full show. And it is, when you do lots of telly, people just, you do start to think of you as a TV presenter. And that's fine to a degree, but actually I am 
my bread and butter and the thing that I think of myself as is a is a stand up comic and someone that can entertain a room and sometimes well a lot of the time TV sort of whittles that away a little bit and you get jokes written by committee and um, I, I sort of started to realise actually I was going down a bit of a path with some of the TV I was doing where I was being restricted and sort of slightly told what to do and what to say and where to stand and how to do it and I was again the old authority thing and I was like well who the fuck are you to tell me that <laughs> you know mm-hmm. particularly when they're saying oh this is funnier if you do it like this and I think I've been doing stand-up for 15 years I am a, a funny person I mean depending on who you ask and um you know I I do have expertise in that area I would argue and sometimes I felt like uh that expertise was being ignored and um I felt like mm, it's t- time to go out on the road again and prove to people that I I am good at this actually physically going out there do you still get nerves yeah and that's it's important to get nervous i think because it, it uh it's a re i love nerves now i used to not be able to eat or drink or anything i used to like get really um i just yes used to struggle to cope with doing the um the pre-show thing and now i'll feel them kick in about an hour or so before a show and i'll think oh here we go something's about to happen and i kind of cajole them into excitement and uh, sort of anticipation for the thing and then it just really gets me into a good space and if I'm not nervous it very rarely happens but occasionally I'll just not be nervous and I don't think I perform as well because I'm sort of too nonchalant about it and I don't I don't have that like uh, energy I suppose it's, a, it's an energy source and so I love getting nervous I feel like it's a good sign yeah, the knees go wobbly. That's okay. Yeah. I love it. You're really living, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> with with the comedy though, when did you I mean, I know you won all the awards when I sorry, I, I kept saying twelve years, so you're saying it's fifteen years you've been doing it. But but when you decided to do it as a to earn money out of doing stand up, all the other comedians that I've spoken to, they all say, you know, there's there's that one moment where you think there, there's that leap of faith where you say Oh, okay. Yes, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I didn't. I remember Sarah Pascoe telling me that Live at the Apollo is uh, a big moment in that you can. Before that, you can say, oh, "I'm a stand-up to people," and they'll go, "All oh, right, well, you know, where, where do you play?" You know that kind of thing, and you can't prove to them that you are one. You know, you'd have to say, "Like, oh, come along to a gig and." And then you might die at the gig and then they'll be like, oh, he's not really that good. <laughs> Whereas Live at the Apollo, particularly if you have a good one, no one can take that away from you at that point. You've got that recording of you in front of a bit, really big room on television making them laugh. And that's proof. You know, it's like it's your, uh, I don't know, it's your big thing on the CV. It's your degree or whatever. And so Live at the Apollo, I think, was a big moment for me. But... Actually, it kind of happened organically where I was kind of earning um, not good, uh, perfectly fine, but you know, livable money, but not great money working in a theatre, making, um, uh, serving the ice creams and working on the bar. And then I was getting offered gigs to, you know, 50 quid to go to Liverpool and do 15 minutes or whatever. And I was thinking, well, actually, if I did that, I'd lose a bit on the train from Manchester because I was living in Manchester at the time. But actually, I will have had more fun and, you know, I got a bit further. And then that 50 gig became 75 and suddenly it was 100. And you're like, oh, now I'm earning more money 
for doing 20 minutes than I would do doing a four-hour, five-hour shift at the theatre. So it just became like actually fiscally more sensible to follow that thread. Um, yeah, but that, I was very fortunate in in that you know that happened quite quickly. And a lot of stand-ups, it takes them a, you know a bit of time to find their voice and and then really finesse it. But I, I managed to start getting kind of paid work relatively quickly. And also, you became and I hate the word and you you we. You know, I'm going to use it because there's it just says it, but a celebrity. You became well known. People knew. Yes, you. I'm a celebrity. <laughs> Would Excuse you do that me, show? Gab- Would you do that show? No, God forbid. No, no, thank you. But I, but I am a celebrity, Gabby, and you should treat me with more respect than anyone else. I any hate of those, that word. Any of those gutter people. <laughs> Catherine Ryan refers to the the public. I suppose we call them as um. She refers to them as muggles. I think that's really lovely. <laughs> But you became very well known pretty quickly, and and it's as I I get the feeling I could be of course completely wrong because what you put out there is all what you want us to see. But I get the feeling that you quite enjoy elements of that, but also you keep yourself to yourself. So people always, you know, when I was doing my research on you, everybody's always talking about. Um, the Hugo Boss story, of course, but they're talking about um, your sexuality or they have opinions on on you as a person. Mm. And and you've managed to keep part of you very private. And I applaud you for that. I think that's wonderful that you managed to do that. Well, I just, yeah, I think it's, I, I'm not fussed about, you know, a celeb party or yes, go, yeah. going to a thing. I, I got, so, uh, just me, banging my own drum but I got nominated for a BAFTA but in lockdown and so it meant that the ceremony happened remotely and nobody could go and I was so delighted because I would have had to have gone because I would have had to you know show face and it's nice to be nominated nominated for a BAFTA or whatever but I actually can't think of anything worse and I, I was just I think it'd be so much nicer just that sit in the pub with my school friends and people that I've want to hang out with and not have to kind of navigate around celebs who are all kind of um, there for different reasons and everyone's nervous and, uh, you know, there's cliques and groups and whatever. I just, I'm not, I'm not fussed by any of that really. Uh, I dabbled with it at the start when, you know, when you start to get invited to things, you think, oh, well, that's interesting. Let's go along to that. And now I just think, no, thanks. Um, and I do, yeah, I like to kind of keep elements of my life private so that I don't think anyone needs to hear any more about me beyond the ridiculous amount of television that I'm doing. So <laughs> I think, you know, they've, they've got their fair fill of me. But all of those things as well. I get the feeling that you that you say no, and but you also enjoy saying yes. Does that make sense? That sounds yes. like it's a cop-out for me. But I just think that you know what you want to do and you say yes to it if it fits in perfectly with how you want it to be. Increasingly, yeah. But, I mean, I do still like end up sometimes saying yes to things and I go, Oh, why did I do that? Because you know, some, sometimes you sort of. I, I I I generally have a policy of like, if it's if I can be funny in it, then that's good. That's good. And if not, then uh, or if it's just to kind of increase my profile, I actually feel a little bit more famous than I'd like to be. And so I sort of you I'm feel not, more famous than you'd like to be. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to be like ten percent less famous. I think. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how, to, how one measures it. How do you take that ten percent away, though? Which bit are you going to take away? Oh, I don't know. I think just it, it, 
if you don't do if you're not on telly for a bit people do quickly start to sort of forget so i think it's probably is about doing a bit of less telly really but you're not going to not do got your back though you're going to do there's another series of that coming isn't well, there? we don't know we're waiting to hear of course it will i mean that's of course it will well you'd hope so but i mean you just you can never tell you can never tell with the uh the in the dark arts of commissioning yes um <laughs> but yeah i definitely whatever i'm doing i want it to feel like it's got like purpose in the way that got your back has so yeah kind of going to like doing a panel show after something like that it's a bit like point of this yeah, no, I get that. I completely get that. And and you versus the oil giants, you know, the, those things, I just... Uh, listen, I think what you do is wonderful. I really do. And when you when, when I met you face-to-face, there's this, there's this funny thing that you have when... I, I'm very lucky and I've been, been in this industry 35 years, even though I'm still 33. And, <laughs> and the people that you meet, I love it when I come home and I get in and my husband says, oh, how was work? He doesn't say... He's not inter- we're not interested in all this showbiz crap here at all. And so he'll just say, how was work? And I said, I just, I've met somebody I just really want to spend time with. And he went, what? I went, Joe Lysa, what oh. a good bloke. But also that you're a fighter and that you, you believe in what you're fighting for. It's not that somebody's given you a script and said, right, this is what we're going to fight for now. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't, I sort of, obviously there's lots of writers involved in everything I do, um, apart from my stand-up, which I generally i'll normally have like a writer look at it right at the end to see if i've missed any obvious gags but um uh stand-up is sort of my i'm very purist about that but everything else is writers all over the the place but um just out of necessity because you know there's such a volume of stuff you've got to do but i i'm really careful about I try to be really careful about what, how, you know, what I'm saying and what I'm doing. And I'm very across the shows that I am on. And continue to do that. That's just, just continue to do it. On this podcast, we always ask everybody what makes them completely belly laugh. And you do like a giggle. Yeah. So what makes you lose it? Still to this day, God, I'm a child. I, I live alone, thank God. I do the most ridiculous farts, um, particularly because, <laughs> I, you know, I've, uh, occasionally I go sort of vegan for a bit and you know you on a high fiber diet and in the middle of the night I will not irregularly um <laughs> irregularly um wake myself up with like a big fart because they they come out like, they come out like a sort of shotgun I would describe them and I laugh to myself and then fall back to sleep <laughs> and I still do that and I'm just thinking about it, it makes me laugh because it's so. Um, does have you ever um, have you seen Clickhole? It's an Instagram. No. Well, it's a website and Instagram account. It's run by the people that do the Onion. Um, so it's like a kind of fake news thing. And Clickhole is sort of their parody of um, uh, I forgot what it's called. Like those list websites, basically. And they write ridiculous articles. I keep using the word ridiculous. Uh, absurd articles, very sort of, they're not even satirical. They're just really off the wall. There was one recently, I'm trying to find it. Uh, yeah, th- this is the headline. Ah, oh, Christ, not another bladder full of urine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a whole article about this dude who's just sick and tired of having to go for a piss. And he's just like, <laughs> my life would be so much better if I didn't have to go for a piss. And just he talks about this sort of absurdity of, of every day 
you know, three to five times a day, I think he said, <laughs> just having to find somewhere to whack out my cock and piss, spray <laughs> piss everywhere. And I just, that's so, our bodies are so, uh, you know, slow us down and are so amazing in other ways, but like there's so many silly things about them. And I'm farting and pissing. I just, I love it. I find it so funny. <laughs> Oh, you are a joy. Honestly, you really are. Joe, that's the perfect place to, to end this. But thank <laughs> yes. you so much. <laughs> oh, that's oh. it, is it? That's, that's how you're ending it. Fart and piss, lice it. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> that Gabby Roslin podcast is proudly produced by Cameo Productions. Music by Beth Macari. Could you please tap the follow or subscribe button? And thanks so much for your amazing reviews. We honestly read every single one and they mean the world to us. Thank you so much. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.